The movie world has made a fortune on bringing to the big screen the stories of underdogs triumphing against all odds. Movies such as Remember the Titans, Cool Runnings, and Miracle tell the stories of teams overcoming challenges and winning the hearts and minds of others. And in the case of Miracle, winning it all. The Miracle on Ice, which was the United States men's hockey team victory over the USSR men's hockey team in the 1980 Olympics, has been described as the underdogs winning in a battle that truly was David versus Goliath. So the USSR team had won four Olympic gold medals in a row and had been undefeated from 1968 until 1980, becoming the most feared hockey team in the world. The United States was not expected to do much at the 1980 games as they were one of the youngest and most inexperienced teams. However, they overcame the odds to beat the USSR and a couple days later they beat Finland to take the gold. There's something about watching those who are expected to fail or at the very least not really succeed, beat the odds and defy expectations. It's inspirational. It makes you feel like if they can do something so spectacular, well, maybe I can too. Our focus text for today brings us to that familiar OG underdog story of David and Goliath. This is a story that many of us learn as children about the young boy who beat the giant and brought victory to Israel over the Philistines. It's a story of the good guys winning and the bad guys losing. It's a story that gives us hope that even if the odds are stacked against us, we can overcome. I wonder if part of why this story is so popular is that we crave this outcome. It seems like so often in our world, the underdogs don't win. Those who have the power come out ahead of those without power. The weak get beaten by the strong. We often feel like the underdogs, disadvantaged in some way, not able to catch a break. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath. He shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrite of Bethlehem and Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. Jesse said to his son David, Take for your brothers these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse had commanded him. Goliath, by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. 
and David heard him. All the Israelites, when they saw the man, fled from him and were very much afraid. The Israelites said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. The king will greatly enrich the man who kills him and will give him his daughter and make his family free in Israel. David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? His eldest brother Elab heard him talking to the men and Elab's anger was kindled against David. He said, Why have you come down? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down just to see the battle. David said, What have I done now? It was only a question. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. David said, The Lord, who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried to walk in vain for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff with his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battlefield to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Well, this is a story that's a little more familiar for some. There's one portion of it that isn't often focused on. 
So David was sent to bring food to his brothers, and while he was there, he heard Goliath making a whole bunch of noise. He asked the men around him, well, what would happen if anyone beat Goliath? And his older brother overheard. His brother then gets angry at David, accuses him of wanting to gawk at the battle, and abandoning his job of watching the sheep. Now, I can totally picture this today. The older brother thinks the younger brother is annoying. The older brother thinks the younger brother is getting out of work and doing nothing but being entertained while he, the older brother, has to do all the work. The younger brother then looks at his older brother and basically says, what's it to you? What's your deal, dude? Sibling rivalry has been in the news a bit lately with the release of Prince Harry's memoir, which details some of the rivalry between him and his brother, Prince William. Now, I think to some degree that all siblings have a little bit of rivalry between them. And, you know, I can totally picture this interaction between David and his brother happening. David's brother is annoyed that his little brother is there asking questions, getting in the way, and so he snaps at him. He's probably also irritated that David, who is the youngest, was chosen by Samuel to be the next king instead of him, the eldest brother. And David's like, back off, bro. I'm just asking them a question. And then he proceeds to ignore his brother and ask another person the same question. David then is all fired up and he marches over to the king and says, hey, I'll go fight him. And King Saul is like, um, really kid? You're a child. Goliath is a trained killer. Go away. And David makes his case with King Saul, saying, but I've rescued lambs from lions and bears. I can do it. God will be with me. Now at this point, I am imagining the picture of the cat who looks in the mirror and sees a lion in its reflection. David sees himself as capable when the world sees him as incapable, outmatched. David has confidence though and faith that God will be with him. Now David may have been seriously and seriously is a huge understatement, seriously outmatched by Goliath. David also had spent years as a shepherd, caring for the sheep, keeping them protected from the predators, watching the circle of life and how God works through all of God's creation. He may not have been as fast, as big, as strong, or as trained as Goliath, but he brought his own skills to the table. Goliath totally could have crushed David with a single blow. David instead kills him with a rock the head. The mighty Goliath probably never thought that something as small as a stone and as simple as a sling could kill him. But it did. The mighty was made low and the lowly was raised up. What happens though when we're the David facing our Goliath and Goliath wins? Does that mean that God wasn't on our side? I don't think that's the case. And I also don't think that the point of this story is to show that if we win, it's because God favors us. And if we lose, it's because God has abandoned us. 
The thing is, we are not always going to be victorious in this world. There are going to be times, maybe many times, when despite our best efforts, we come up short. Now, hopefully not in a life or death situation like David's, but for some it might be, and for some it might feel that way. In those times, it is so important to look to Jesus. Jesus, in spite of being the Son of God and fully divine, was also fully human. Jesus was born to a peasant family. His father was a carpenter. And if historical accounts are correct, Jesus looked like a normal everyday guy. Nothing super special about him. Jesus came up against the powerful King Herod, the chief priests, Pilate, the governor of Judea, and by normal measures of success, Jesus lost because they killed him. However, Jesus was not normal. Jesus came so that the underdogs can win, so that all of us who are sinners can know that even though we might get beaten down, and we probably will get beaten down in this life by whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, that isn't the end for us, because Jesus wins in the end. Now, Jesus was also no stranger to some sibling rivalry. In John 7, John writes, so Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, so that your disciples may also see the works you are doing. For no one who wants to be widely known acts in secret. If you do those things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus' brothers didn't really believe in Jesus until after his death and resurrection. David's brothers didn't believe in David until he killed Goliath. They, the brothers, the brothers of both individuals, may have thought the worst of their brothers rather than the best. Yet those expectations were defied. We do live in a world where we often root for the underdog to win. And maybe it's because we see ourselves in their story. Maybe it's because we're inspired by someone overcoming odds to achieve greatness. I think it's safe to say that the Bible is filled with stories about unlikely people, underdogs, being used to show God's power in the world. Even if you are an underdog who hasn't overcome something yet, don't lose hope. Trust that God is walking with you, empowering you. And I want you to look back at what you have already overcome in your life. There may very well be a few dead Goliaths lying dead in your past. May you be empowered in knowing that God loves you, whether you are the underdog or not, and that life with God and the promise of eternal life is the best win of all. Amen. During the next few days, I encourage you to go deeper into the message with these two questions. The first, do you have an underdog story in your own life when it feels like you have defeated a giant? How did it feel to triumph? And number two, David's brother thought the worst of him. 
When analyzing the actions of others, do you tend to think the best of them or the worst of them? What happens when they defy your expectations? Thank you.